normally would. Um, pull your blankets out. That's fine. Heat's running, so uh, hopefully it'll it'll can it'll. Well, it's not going to get much warmer in here anyway. But so let's not say that it is. I do want to say hats off uh, to my wife. Uh, she has labored the past two days, Monday and Tuesday, literally all day long in decorating and cleaning the church, and it looks spectacular. So. Uh, uh, what a wonderful job she has done. Never has underest- uh, never underestimate her and the amount of labor that she puts into life in general, the ministry, everything that you can imagine. So what a tremendous blessing that is. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 is where we are today. We're going to get into, uh, hopefully, the final installment of this series, uh, Apostates Among Us. Apostates Among Us. So we're going to be looking again at 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. If you're willing and able to this morning, I ask you to stand as we honor the reading of the Word of God. Now that you've gotten nice and comfy with your blanket on, here we go. All right, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean, escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they were again entangled therein and overcome. And the latter end is worse, than, worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Father, we ask a special blessing upon the reading of your word. We ask you to bless our lesson, our message here today. Pray that we would absorb it, take it on board. Applied into our hearts and our lives. I pray for those that are involved in uh, just um, apostate works, if you will, high church, that which we, we see and read and hear about on a daily basis. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would intervene in their life and get them out and away from among these heretical teachers, dear Lord. So, Father, we ask for your help in that, that you may intervene, dear God, but take your word today amongst your people. Bless us all, Lord, to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh man, thank you so much. Please be seated. So just to get right into it, guys, because I do want to be able to kind of finish this here today. Uh, if we can, we can finish this chapter out and then start something afresh for the month of December that is just around the corner. Tomorrow starts. But in verse 17, again, we see it, and we, we've seen this enough times throughout our lesson, uh, the phrase these, it says these here. Uh, again, this is referring to the, the false teachers, okay, the, the apostates that we're speaking of. The Bible tells us here, Peter says that they are wells without water. Now guys, a well is a deep hole dug into the ground, and it has the appearance. A well, if you were to see a well afar off, you would see there's a place of nourishment, nourishment there's a place of feeding, there's a place that I can come and, and it will save my life or the water is necessary for life. But we find that these, they're just a deep hole in the ground, if you will, with only the appearance of a place of nourishment. These false teachers, these apostates that are among us today have the appearance to give life-saving nourishment. They appear to be in a place that bring nutrients to a soul's life, but rather they're dried up, they're empty. Let me say this, they're useless in every way, shape, form, and fashion. 
especially to how they appear. They walk through the streets in their little dog collars, and you think that they're sanctified. They look like they're going to do something good for people's eternal souls, and it's quite the contrary. As a matter of fact, it is the complete opposite. Peter goes on to say that they are clouds that are carried with a tempest. Uh, guys, they, uh, they are moved to and fro, if you will, and with every wind of doctrine. They're, they're moved here and they're moved there. But here's the kicker, if you will. We'll look at the next portion of this verse. It says, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Guys, if there has ever been a question at all as to whether or not these apostates that we've been talking about for 10 weeks now or saved, I mean, if there's any question whatsoever concerning their doctrine, maybe if we thought, well, maybe they're just off on their doctrine a little bit, or maybe they're, they're just deceived. If there's ever a question of whether or not they are saved, uh, guys, we find it right here in plain old black ink in the Bible. Outer darkness awaits them. I mean, uh, guys, outer darkness rather is appointed unto them. They are wretched, God-hating souls who seek for nothing but the, to be the central focus of preeminence in their life, destroying the precious Word of God in their daily teaching. Matthew chapter 25 tells us here, I don't think I have it up there for you, yeah, I do. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 30 says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, we find in Matthew 7, verse 21, 23, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, uh, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in, in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Beloved, apostates among us today are teaching vile, blasphemous doctrines, and the flames of eternal hell await them, just like the angels who sinned. Just like the angels who left their first estate, they are reserved in chains of darkness awaiting judgment this day. And I say, I'm going to say this to you today, and I'm going to try my best to maintain my composure. Last weekend, actually this past Sunday, a junior researcher by the name of Joshua Heath at Trinity College in Cambridge, he taught uh, on Sunday that Jesus Christ was a transgender. And on top of that, with parishioners and worshipers leaving in tears, crying out to the dean, saying, this is heresy, this is heresy, the dean of Trinity College, Dr. Michael Banner, and I am specifically calling their names out, hoping it gets back to them, okay? Dr. Michael Banner supported him 100%. Guys, I'm not going to soil the pulpit today nor your ears to give details of what this perverted, vile teaching was brought in the church house on a Sunday. But these two individuals are exactly who Peter is talking about. These, this is exactly what Peter is talking about, the inspiration of God. They are perverts. Michael Banner and Joshua Heath are perverts to the core. They are sexual perverts. Mind you, they are groomers, amen. And if they don't like me saying that, then show up at my front door. Prove me wrong. You understand? I mean, who knows what else these perverts are into. But in order to teach something, if you knew why he taught that, and I will not, you can look it up yourself. I will not soil the pulpit here of how that perverted, 
devilish apostate chose to teach that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is a transgender. Outer darkness awaits, a devil's hell awaits these men. This is what he said. In Christ's simultaneously masculine and feminine body, in these works, if the body of Christ, as the work suggests, the body of all bodies, then his body is also the trans body, claimed the researcher. Now, he's basing it on a 1,400-year-old medieval painting of Jesus Christ, which has a particular marking on him that he's utilizing, calling him a, uh, a trans body, a transgender. He'll use a 14-year-old painting, but he'll refuse a 400-year-old Bible in the King James Bible to find out the biblical truth, you understand. It's sickening, guys, to the utter degree. And I'm going to say this. If you're, if you're watching, you're listening, or if you guys know any Anglicans out there today, if you're in England, you, could, you need to demand that your vicar vehemently speak out against this, protest it publicly, and demand this thing, both of them, Michael and Joshua, be removed from the school and never dart the pulpit ever again. If that vicar will not stand up against this heresy taught, then he is completely 100% guilty himself or herself for a lot of these cases. Guilty. And don't come to me and say, but this is where we've always went, and my preacher doesn't believe this. If your preacher, your vicar, doesn't believe it, then he needs to publicly reject it. Why? Because it's an incorporation. Don't give me this autonomy of the church and liberty to preach what you want. Don't give me that. That doesn't fly here. You're not independent. You're not, you're not independent. You are under an umbrella and you're under that organization. You are under that conglomerate and that's all there is to it. So either the vicars get up and stand or the little gowns and stand against it and demand them to be removed and repent publicly, or you're just as guilty. You must agree with them. On top of all that, to sum up verse 13, these apostates, or verse 17, uh, these apostates, and I mean everyone, Michael Banner and this pervert Joshua Heath. Joshua Heath's PhD was supervised by the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. Now, I wonder where he stood with it. Let me tell you something. This didn't just come out of the blue. To come up with what this, this guy said, you have got to be a pervert to the nth degree. There's probably no telling what type of dark perversion this clown is involved in. But some 17-up guys are empty vessels. They are without nourishment. They are help to no one, but they are hurt to everyone. For some strange reason, people sit under their teaching. Jude says this. He says their clouds are without water. Peter says their wells are without water. The illustration is the same. They are devoid of the water of life, John 4, verse 14. And they cannot give living water to a sinner because they do not have it within them. They are lost and damned to hell. Hands down. That went well. Verse 18. Verse 18 tells us this. It says, uh, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. Guys, these, these, these faults, they'll, they'll use great words. They'll speak great swelling words. They'll use big words with absolutely no meaning to ensnare the sinner with their pride, using these words and flattering tongues to make, them, to make you feel high about yourself. 
But these swelling words, guys, the same thing is found in, in Jude 16. It says, the, uh, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouths speak of great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Jude uses covetousness as well. And then he says, their mouth speaking great swelling words. This word, great swelling words, comes from a Greek word, uh, which means swollen, immoderate. We covered this several weeks back. Swollen, uh, immoderate, extravagant. These words are swollen, but they're empty. And uh, guys, you know, the only other place that this very same word appears is in first, is 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, the verse that we're looking at. These are the only two places they, they uh, focus on, in Jude and in 2 Peter 2. Same statement, referring to the same people, words of vanity. They allure through the lust of the flesh, if you will. This is what they do. So, they're empty words. They're, they're over-swollen words, if you will. They're words that, that, that just, uh, they do nothing for anyone, in all fairness, guys. Why do they do that? Well, Jude gives us the answer in the latter part of verse 16, saying, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So, what does Peter say? Well, in the middle of verse 3, he says they make merchandise out of you. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, he says they make merchandise out of you. Guys, they are nothing, people are nothing more than a commodity unto them, a cattle call. No love, no compassion, no sacrifice, no nourishment. Just empty wells without water, clouds without rain. John chapter 10 tells us this. John chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. He says, but he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own, uh, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. That's what these apostates are. They are nothing more than hirelings. And we see the same thing in verse 18 of 2 Peter chapter 2. Now the other method that you find here that they use to deceive you is to appeal to your fleshly desires. Now guys, that's a marketing one-on-one scheme. All right, Maslow's uh, hierarchy of self needs. If you've ever studied that out in business school or anything, every, every if you've ever taken any business class, you've studied the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of self needs, and that's what you use when you market. You're 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 pitching something to sell. Is to you you flatter someone, but you draw them in according to their own um, fleshly lust, their own self desires. The rest of the verse, I want you to look at verse 18. Notice what we find here. This is that other method that they use to, to deceive. It says that they allure through the lust of the flesh. And then the next word says, through much wantonness. To, through much wantonness. That, that word wantonness, guys, it, it means unbridled lust. If you take notes in your Bible, circle the word wantonness, draw a line out to the side, and put unbridled lust. And there's a reason that's why, why it means it. It means excess uh, uh, lasciviousness, uh, things like that, filthy, but it literally means incontinent. You know, hence unbridled lust, the inability to control oneself. You're driven by your own sensual lust. That's what these people are. It, it makes sense. If you read the article uh, as to what the pervert up there said in Cambridge, and then you read verse 18 about wantonness that is driven by their own unbridled lust, it makes sense. It'll actually anger you. It'll sicken you to think what this guy came up with in the middle of the night to stand up and have the audacity. I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how daring these uh, apostates are. The audacity to say the things that they do. So here's the kicker. Here's the kicker in the next verse, the next part of the verse. Those that were clean escaped from them 
who live in error. There's a couple of ways to look at this. Not a couple of ways, a couple of applications that we can see. These are they who, by some miracle, got saved and sanctified. They were clean somehow. Um, they've, been, they've been clean through the washing of the word, and God is saying to them, get out. Okay? It's also those who have cleaned themselves up through hearing the word, but not a conversion. But the word of God sounds good. It's something that, hey, wait a second, that sounds good. Let me apply that godly teaching there. And by some miracle, they, got, they cleaned themselves up, not converted, but they cleaned themselves up and yet did nothing with it. You need to recognize the erroneous ways, their vile, perverted teachings, and flee. This cleanup, guys, is often a temporary thing. That's the problem. This is when the false teacher will swoop in. Unless that person gets out, unless a Bible believer comes and gives them a gospel tract, unless someone can come to them and talk to them and lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, they, they've heard the word, and the word sounds good, and they've gotten clean. They said, you know what? I'm going to straighten up. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to stop doing these things. I'm going to live a good life. And, and all of a sudden, they've kind of cleaned up, but there's nothing filling that void inside of them. It won't take long for that false teacher, for that apostate, to swoop in with a flattering and lust-luring tongue and, and loop them right back in. So how do false teachers convince the people to come back in? How do they, how do, when people do get cleaned up and start living right, I'm not saying converted, I'm just saying, hey man, they're starting to make changes in their life, and those changes in their life are contrary to what these apostates are teaching, okay? They're starting to step out from that power hunger uh, call. What do they do? How do these apostates come back in? Well, verse 19 tells us they promise them liberty. They promise them liberty, guys. You know, King Louis in France was too strict and too tyrannical, they said. So the people cried out, liberty, equality, fraternity. And you know what came in? The reign and terror of the Napoleonic Wars. They wanted liberty. They wanted freedom. They wanted fraternity. And yet, the Napoleonic Wars came in. These false teachers, these apostates, promise liberty, a life without rules and regulations per se, a liberal social gospel, without restrictions of biblical standards. And beloved, when you don't believe the Bible to be the preserved, perfected, purified Word of God, you'll have no standards in your living. Everything's free. And these teachers become slaves to their own sinful lifestyle. And even though they promise liberation, they themselves are in the bondage of sins, servants of corruption, the Bible says, in the bonds of sin. Look there, if you will, in verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruptions. For of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. So they're promising the congregation liberty, but they themselves are servant to sin and those that he's promising liberty are overcome with the same sins and therefore become bond slaves to the wickedness of this teacher. That's how they lure them back in. Guys, we need to understand. Second Peter is, is very clear. Second Peter chapter 2 is a very clear chapter. We see it every single day. There are multiple applications. There are two different applications, dispensationally speaking, and we're going to look at that here in a moment uh, before we close. But we must not remove ourselves from the application, the, the spiritual, practical, doctrinal application, the living application that we see of those apostates around us today. 
just because we can also place this in another dispensation. So look with me, if you will, in the last few uh, verses of the chapter, verses 20 through 22. It says, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the uh, knowledge of, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they were again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better, than, it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, what is the case of false prophets and teachers? Verse 20 tells us that they have escaped the pollutions of the world. They've straightened up, they've got cleaned up because they heard and received the Word of God through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice, this is the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right? It's different than from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. that says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand? There's a, there's a grave difference there. You know, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is linking himself in chapter 1 to whom he is speaking to as saved, born-again individuals. But in chapter 2 and in verse 20, it says, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a difference there. There's no link. There's no spiritual connection. There's no eternality there. There is no brother and sister in Christ there. They just got a knowledge of who Jesus Christ was, and it sounded good, and they escape the pollutions of this world. Peter doesn't include himself with these people in any way, shape, form, or fashion at any time in chapter 2. The implication is not, is not only that they aren't saved, but they were never saved, you understand, and never born again. They are entangled again, and therein and overcome, the Bible tells us. They go back to where they left. These people, guys, they, they, they've had the, the truth preached to them. Now, from a tribulational perspective, because I, can't, I cannot conclude this series without, under, without you understanding that there is a tribulational uh, application to this that we need to see. From a tribulational aspect, here's what we find. We find that, that um, it is salvation by faith in Jesus Christ as well as what? Keeping the commandments. Revelation chapter 12, remember? Those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ and keep his commandments revelation 12 17 revelation 14 verse 12 so this is the secondary application that we have to our text they keep the commandments during the tribulation period they're living right but they never do personally receive jesus christ they turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them in this case guys that holy commandment is a reference to first john chapter 3 verse 23 and this is the commandment that, that we should Believe on the name, of, uh, the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. That is what it is. There is the holy commandment, do you understand? So the knowledge they had of Jesus Christ was the knowledge, the same knowledge that, that Satan and the devils have. Mark chapter 1, verse 24, Acts 16, 17, Acts 19, 15. And when it comes to the deity of Jesus Christ, the, dev the devils today are systematically Bible believers. Do you understand that? But it doesn't, it doesn't do them any more good than believing there is one God. James 2.19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
so it doesn't do them any good. They, yeah, they listen. You know, there's no unbelievers in hell today. Not one unbeliever. Hey, the minute a lost person dies, they enter into a devil's hell. They immediately become a believer, but it ain't gonna do them one bit of good because they squandered it here when they had the opportunity. Do you understand that today? So, guys, one of the surest ways to know the false prophets and false teachers or, or these apostates among us were never saved is verse 22. But it happened again unto them according to the, tra- to the, two, the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to the waller and in the mire. We also see this in verse 17, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. What we need to understand today when we look at these verses, they were not, you know, the false teacher, false prophets were not converted from being a dog to a sheep and then back to a dog again. That never happens. The false prophet, guys, was a dog who reacted to his own vomit, the pollutions of the world, if you will, just as any dog would and returned right unto it. A false teacher, who is our modern-day apostate, uh, never changed from being a hog to a sheep and then back to a a sow again. Uh, She was washed and then went back to the wall in her field just like any pig will do. Guys, when you quit being a pig, you quit doing what a pig does. Amen? When you stop being a dog, you stop doing what a dog does, amen? When you become a sheep, you start being a sheep and a lamb of God, amen, and following his, his lead and his guidance. Peter says that the latter end is worse with them than their beginning. Peter says it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Why? Because now they have no chance of being saved. So if you apply the tribulational perspective, guys, the Lord gives these false prophets and false teachers one chance. One chance. That's the only chance they have to be saved, and that's it. They had to have the testimony of Jesus Christ and keep the commandments. But it's not the tribulation period. We're not in it. We're not going to see it. We're not part of it. We are the church, the bride of Christ. We are going to be called out of here. Jesus Christ is going to descend from heaven, and uh, with a voice and a shout of the archangel, he's going to say, come up hither, and we're gone. But before that happens, guys, we find that the, the apostates are in our world today have no idea. We have no idea how many chances or opportunities they've had. We don't know. Maybe it was one. Maybe it was ten. Maybe it was a thousand. I don't know. But I do know this. They ended up following their own lust, pride, and perversions and devilish desires reconstructed their own proper their, their own uh, doctrine uh, of the of, of the word of god and they begin to deceive millions and because of that they're damned these false prophets guys and these false teachers they're just like the guy in matthew chapter uh, 12 verses 43 to 45 remember the man that was set free the devil was cast out the unclean spirit was gone yet he had no holy spirit to take the place of where the devil used to reside and we find that that devil would wander around uh, for a while, and, and then he'd come back to check out his old homestead and his old stomping ground, and if no new resident has taken up quarters, that devil went and got seven more devils more wicked than himself. And this guy is in the worst shape that he's ever been. He's worse than he was before the one devil was ever cast out. It's the same thing that we're finding with these apostates. It had been better for them not to know the way of righteousness. We said it in the beginning, Dr. Adrian Rogers' definition of what an apostate is. They have heard the truth, they've received the, the truth of the Word of God, meaning they've heard it, they've rejected it, they've ridiculed it, 
and then they seek to replace it. And it's no different than what we've seen from the Anglican institution for the last thousand years. It's no different than what we've seen from the, the, uh, the Catholics since the 4th century A.D. They are apostates, guys. Clear and plain apostates. Doesn't mean there aren't people involved with them that are saved and born again, but the leadership, the doctrine they hold to is devilish and damnable heresies. If you don't like it, read the Bible, look it up, find out, prove me wrong. Show me in the Bible where an infant's baptized. Show me in the Bible where you're going to work yourself to heaven. Show me in the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth, okay, that you pledge your allegiance to the Holy Catholic Church. By the way, show me in the Bible, dispensationally and righteous, rightly dividing, where Mary is a co-redemptress of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Show me that. I'm not going to find it because it ain't there. So guys, this is the case of the false teachers and the false prophets today. Not only do they seal their fate by rejecting Christ and returning to their own life, they are more wicked than they were before. And this is, this, this is the apostates among us. They're leading millions into despair. They are clothed in white gowns and black robes. They venture out uh, with their little dog collars on, on the world as a mark of some type of position. But rather, they're sealed by a mark of deceit. They stand up upon sinking sand, talking, uh, taking all those who fall to their deceit. Fall to their lure, if you will, who are part of their flock, taking them with them. Every dipped baby, every sprinkled adult, everyone that's holding to man's creed and article faith written by the lustful men teaching these damnable heresies, guys. And I'm telling you, if you're listening today and you're part of this, I'm going to ask you to flee. Get out of it. No matter what part you, it may be, get out of it. Run, remove yourself, get your family out of there before it's too late because... It is a damnable heresy, nothing to be played with. Well, my family always went there. It doesn't matter. Well, I got a lot of positions there. Then get out of them because you're part of the problem. Amen? So, beloved, that's the conclusion we have to this series on the apostates among us. It's been <coughs> 10 lessons, if I can have counted correctly. I hope it's been a blessing. I hope it's been an eye-opener. I know for me, just working on it, studying and looking at it, uh, as you guys have noticed that... Um, you know, the preaching, the teaching has been a little more pointed, a little more specific, a little more directed. And there's a reason for that, because of what we find here in the Word of God. Paul, uh, Peter doesn't mix words about it. Jude doesn't mix words about it. The Holy Spirit of God doesn't mix words about it, and neither should we. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be together today. I pray you bless the rest of this Wednesday, Lord. Please uh, help us have a productive and blessed and safe day. Lord, I do love you, but I do thank you, and I pray that you'd bless this lesson, Father. I pray that those out there that may get a hold of it and hear it and, and uh, get offended and get upset, I pray they would search out the Holy Word of God to see if these things be so. Uh, Father, and I pray that they would be able to remove themselves from being under the teaching of false teachers, the apostates that we find, uh, Lord God, who are so willingly moving forward, uh, harming and hurting the flock. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. 
if today was the last day you were alive, if today, by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6, 23 clearly tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what would, what would stop you right here, right now, from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. I hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.